Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA show present verbal sparring with a twist. <laughs> because not only are me and Dom going toe to toe, head to head, eight questions decided by you, the viewers, you, the MMA community. Although, Dom, for every wing or for every question, I must indulge myself to a blazing wing from B-dubs. All of this to get me back into the below average bet slip in anticipation for Saturday's UFC 285. Mm. Some of the questions will include, what does Nate Diaz do next after Jake Paul lost Sunday? And who would you favor of the top light heavyweight contenders against Jamal Hill? All this... And more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this special, special edition of Verbal Sparring. I'm going to pay up. I'm going to pay up in order to get myself back into the below average bet slip. I'm going to eat 10 boneless Yes, boneless. Deal with it, people. It's, I'm already a fat guy eating on camera. I don't want to be a fat, sloppy guy eating on camera. But I'm going to do it for... We have eight questions today. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to eat one momentarily. Yep. And then before every question, I will eat one. And then I will eat one before closing statements. And Dom will kind of edit around so there's no chewing... Well, yeah, you'll see me. You'll see enough to know I'm eating it, but yeah. he's gonna cut around. You said they're not chewing into the mic and stuff, right? Did you, do you know what I just thought of as you pick up the wing? Yeah. This one and the one for the first question are gonna be really close together compared to the rest. <laughs> That's true. I'm gonna eat this, and I'm actually gonna ask about your day. But okay, first, I'll try and fill up all the space. I, can. I am eating this with ranch, by the way. I'm going to try to eat these all in one bite. Now, B-Dubs has this reputation for small, overpriced wings. Yeah. This is not what I would consider <laughs> a small no. wing. This not is, at all. This is kind of big. Yeah. Like, this is a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous. Well, you know that once the first one's in, that sting is that in your mouth. There's no going back. For an hour. I don't even know how to attack this, Dom, because that is not a one bite wing. It's, it's the it's, shape of it's Florida. Like, I don't know how to. <laughs> oh. I don't know how to do. Okay. You're going to have to do two. To, I'm going to have to do two bites. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and it has begun. <laughs> do you have napkins for the uh, ranch? <laughs> okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, Dom. How's your day going so far? I'm going to laugh a lot today, and it's not even to be mean, but it's just funny. Oh, my day, no, it's been good. You know, not only is it a special verbal sparring for this reason, you're you're buying essentially your way back into the bet slip, but look at this new look, right? The new look verbal sparring, the new look cage side, the new look for the MMA show logo in general, spicing things up. It's a big week heading into some big old months. No better time than now to revamp, make our stuff look even more pretty than it already was. And uh, it's been a damn good day. I am so energized for this whole week, and I'm ready to attack these questions as you are attacking the Blazing Wings. Question one. 
Actually, I gotta eat another one. Oh. oh. Now, do you are we reading the question then eating, eating then reading no, the question? No, no. Eating then reading the question. Okay. There we go. That's a one biter. Perfect. Question one, Dom. <laughs> okay. What are some go-to cheat meals for broke college students? Since I'm eating food, I figured I have a food question. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you have to go beat up blazing wings. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel like the cliche thing that you always hear is ramen noodles. I survived off ramen noodles in college and when I was broke and yada, yada, yada. But no, I'll tell you, you and I kind of had a blessing in disguise because in our dormitories, um, we had uh, basically a convenience store, a little grocery store in our dorms. So we were able to kind of live lavishly, should I say. So like for us, it was a little bit of everything because of those Falcon dollars. Shout out to Bowling Green. But a go-to cheat meal if I had to pick one. Let's see. I'm trying to. You know what? I found myself eating a lot of like frozen Michelinas. I think that's how you say the name. The green one. I know it's a green packaging. Uh, the, the mac and cheese. The cheeseburger mac. They have really good versions of pizza rolls. Arguably better than Totino's. I know that's crazy. But, it, you know, just give it a try. What else was big on there? Uh, they had like chicken fried rice. I think if I had to pick one that's coming to my brain, the Michelinas frozen meals and those three or four specifically. My best friend was the Dollar Tree. <laughs> when I was at my brokest, I would grocery shop there. So if you're a college student, broke, don't be afraid to go to the Dollar Tree. Mm. They got lunch meat. They got frozen meals. Mm -hmm. You can... Do some fancy stuff, buy some fries, cook them, put some hot sauce on them, whatever, spice it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's great stuff. Everything's a dollar. Uh, next question. Wonderful. Number three, down the hatch. Oh, that's the first look. That's the first look of the day. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Question two, Dom. What should Nate do? What should Nate Diaz do next following Jake Paul's loss versus Tommy Fury on Sunday? Yeah, that's a good one. What does Nate Diaz do next? Uh, I feel like it's still in the realm of possibility for him to get a boxing match with Jake Paul. I know he even was tweeting, kind of throwing shade at him and Logan both. It was kind of a, you know, one of those infamous Nate Diaz tweets that he just doesn't give a fuck, basically. I don't know, man. He is, it's kind of crazy that you put this question on here because I just hadn't thought about him lately, but he is the biggest free agent in mixed martial arts right now. It's just not in headlining news. So I, I don't see Bellator. I don't see PFL happening. A boxing match with a Paul brother. I think either of them, to be quite frank, is probably if Nate Diaz is back in combat sports, it will be a boxing match against one of these two, regardless of Jake Paul losing to Tommy Fury. Yeah, it kind of feels like Nate Diaz might be the biggest loser of Sunday, yeah, not Jake Paul. Kind of. He kind of took his ball, ran with it, uh -huh. and um, was looking to get that big payday doesn't seem like he's going to get that, at least not right away. Mm -hmm. Dustin Poirier is one of the it's one of the few opponents that are still open. Yeah. Come on back to the UFC, maybe. Mm -hmm. But 
Let me throw out a weird one for you, Dom. Okay. How about Mike Perry and bare knuckle boxing? Goodness gracious, we have really lost you. You have gone off of the deep end this past week. Um, no, don't need to see that. Um, don't want to see that. Don't think that's what he should do. Any of the phrasing here, I'm probably going to say no. But it could also you imagine, me... though, could you imagine, like, he already gets cut up so quickly? Oh, it'd be brutal. Not good. Not good at all. That Like, borderline shouldn't even be sanctioned. There'd be so much blood. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. God, this is... Uh... I can tell. I'm not going to lie. This is almost... This is just as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, at least it's not worse, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, next question. Wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go ahead. There we go. Here's some one-biters. I don't know what was going on with that first one. Number four. Down the hatch. I stomached that one okay. Nice. Nice. Speaking of Dustin Poirier. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the only top-ranked lightweights that doesn't have a future matchup right now. This is true. You know who else is open? The champion, Islam Magachev. Mm. I see where you're headed. Over under 20% chance Dustin Poirier is the next title challenger for Islam Magachev. Hmm. Over under 20% chance. I'm going to say under. I love Dustin. I'm one of the biggest Dustin fans probably out there, but uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, he's available. Yeah, he's coming off of a win. Islam's available, coming off of a win. But it just doesn't feel like Dustin should get a title shot off of that Michael Chandler win. And I, I don't know. It just feels like there are just other people ahead of him, specifically Benil Dariush, who's going to have to fight Charles Oliveira, <laughs> who uh, deserved this chance over him. And I know the question's not necessarily about deserving and if he's just next in general. But regardless of what's all playing out in the division, I just don't see Poirier's next fight, maybe even next two fights, being for lightweight gold. So I'm going to go under 20%. Comfortably, I must say, under 20%. What worries me is the timing. Yeah. Islam just fought Charles and Benil. Oh, that burp was not good. That you you spewed oh, fire out just now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was not good. Why did I ever say I was going to do this without drink? No. <laughs> yeah, that would. Yeah, I'm glad you're drinking. I'm crying. Benil and Charles fight in May. Yep. Will they be ready to turn around by the fall? You would hope, but what if it's a war? Yeah. Dustin needs a fight. Yeah. I'm going to say over because it's not about deserving. Yep. Dustin is a proven commodity. Yep. He is at least coming off a win. Yeah. It's not who I think should be next. Really, Dustin and Charles should probably be fighting again. And Benil should be getting Benil. the title yeah. shot. Yeah. But Ramadan's a factor as well. True. Islam's probably not going to fight again until September, October. Yeah. It'll probably put him on an Abu Dhabi card. So mm -hmm. Fair. Tongue's going numb a little bit. So Going numb. Well, that might be a good thing. Yeah. Question... Number five. Number question Kenobi. four, wing five. <laughs> oh God. Oh, small one. I, I was gonna say they're they're turning back to regular B dubs now. 
Question four, Dominic. Yep. What is the biggest fight for the rest of 2023 not currently booked? Mm, okay. Now this is where the questions start hitting a little harder, like the wings for Noah, and it gets a little tougher to answer. But the first one, that's what I traditionally like to do for the most part on this show when we do verbal is the first thing that comes into my head. Sometimes I get more prep than others, um, and I'm going to go – yeah, I have to. I think I have to do this one. I'm going to go Colby Covington, Hamzat Chimaev. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. fight right now, not booked for the rest of 2023, especially if we're not talking title fights. And there's a lot of title fights coming up right now. Uh, and name value-wise, whether there's a champion involved or not, I don't think it gets much bigger than a Colby versus Hamzat. So I think uh, that is the biggest. And for me as a fan, probably the biggest that I would like to see uh, that hasn't been booked. Haven't heard really anything from either of these guys in quite some time. Colby's been the quietest he's ever been. Hamzat's just kind of like watching from the shadows, uh, you know, a little sneaky tweet here and there. Is he going to do 185? Is he going to do 170? But really no opponents really thrown out there other than Colby and maybe like Bilal. But again, biggest fight, it's Colby Hamzat for me. I don't think it's going to happen because Hamzat's coach even has came out, I believe, and said he thinks his next fight will be at 185. Mm. They're kind of angling for Robert Whitaker right now. Oh, wow. Which I think is an awesome fight. That actually could be up on this list. For sure. I have two options. Okay. And both kind of depend on what happens in a title fight that is booked. Okay. Or kind of. Wait, both of them with the same title fight? You're saying? Okay. No. Two different ones. God damn it. I just burped again. Ugh. You're spewing fire like the dragon in Shrek. Yeah, this is this is bad. <laughs> so, the first one, my tongue's literally like dead. Like I'm, I'm gonna start gonna like start slurring. <laughs> if John Jones wins Saturday, it's him versus Stipe. Oh, interesting one. Interesting. And I do one. think that that is in the card. Stipe's actually in Vegas for this fight this weekend. Do you think uh, he's the Pav- backup, by the way? No, it's Pavlovich. Oh, no shit. Really? They found yeah. out? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I forget who reported that. It might have been Raymondi. It might have been Okamoto. I'm not sure. I was thinking Sergey or Curtis because they're fighting. Yeah. So, But go ahead. <clears throat> Even though I do think the next title challenger should be the winner of that Sergey-Curtis Blades fight. I agree. I do think the winner of that fight's next fight would be for the title. But John Jones has shown when he gets back in there, yeah, he has these long gaps in his activity. But once he's there and committed, Dom, yeah. he's one of the most active fighters in the whole company. That's a great So who's point. to say International Fight Week's not headlined by John Jones versus Stipe Miocic? I, I think that lines up very well if John Jones is able to get past Surreal Gone. I'm not saying he's going to. Right. You know, I'm just saying I don't think Surreal Gone versus Stipe is as big of a fight. Of course. As John Jones versus Stipe. The other one, and this fight actually isn't booked, but Volkanovski is, is most certainly going to be fighting Yair Rodriguez next. Hmm. And then you have Henry Cejudo fighting Aljamain Sterling. Oh, boy. If those okay. two guys win their next fights, that's big. I think by the end of the year, maybe that December pay-per-view that the UFC really likes to boost with a couple title fights, you could see Henry making the attempt for a third belt. I really believe that. 
I believe that Cejudo, he is in my head favored against Aljamain Sterling. I favor him to win that fight. As tough of a challenge as Yair Rodriguez is for Volkanovski. Oh, my God. And as good as he is in general and how much he keeps improving, I still believe Volkanovski will get by him. It's a risky one because Yair feels like that kind of guy. Yeah, he lost to Max in a really tough nose fight, but he kind of feels like that guy that's just ready to reach almost superstardom. Yeah. And getting that win over such a pound for pound king and all time great Volkanovski uh-huh. would be the thing to do that. So, regardless, I think the biggest fight. Outside of Joan Stipe is a Cejudo Volkanovsky. And what's weird is I say that and it probably wouldn't even be a headliner. Isn't that crazy? Oh, really? I think that one would. I think that one would. If Henry were to be a champion going in, I think they would make that a headliner. I do. That's a big one. That's a big one. I almost probably wonder right. like... You're probably right. Um, yeah. Um, but I, this is just me nitpicking now and I'm not doing this to gripe on you. I'm giving you more time. That's what I'm doing between wings. But the problem is with that one, I almost wonder if it would even be able to happen in the 2023 calendar. That's my biggest <clears> thing. <throat> I think with that one, but, uh, John and Stipe, I mean, yeah. you can, you know how much we've talked about that on this show in the past, especially, and it just feels like a big one, not as big as it could have once been just because Stipe has been off for so long and you know, whatever the case, but he is still arguably the greatest heavyweight the UFC's ever had. John Jones, arguably the best fighter ever, especially if he wins against surreal gone this weekend. That's a big one, man. That is a really big fight. You know what? I'm going to go question on a question here. This one just popped in. Mm. <laughs> this probably isn't fair, but it's John Jones. So I'm going to pose this. If John Jones becomes the heavyweight champion beats surreal gone this weekend, then were to fight Stipe and beat Stipe. Two heavyweight fights. Could John become the best heavyweight in UFC history? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say no, but I, <laughs> you know, it's weird, right? Because first off, I'm sorry for cutting you off a little bit ago. You were like, my no, you're good. We had a little, like, yeah. Yeah. Started getting a little zany in here. Not <laughs> yeah, the yeah. wings. I'm good. But um, what what's so weird, I guess, is I say no. But really, Daniel Cormier did not fight that much at heavyweight in the UFC, and I was yeah. ready to say that for him if he beat Stipe in their trilogy fight. Now, some of that may have been just us doing a little PR for the UFC and <laughs> you know putting in the work on the promoter side of things, but I did really believe that at the time. Yeah. And I guess it depends on how the fight goes, but Stipe, I don't expect to be the Stipe that was the heavyweight yeah. go if he were to meet or come back and fight again anyways. Right, right. So that's why I'm kind of like, I think John Jones has to do a little bit more. He's already the best fighter of all time in my eyes. Like, I don't think it's even, I mean, it's up for discussion. Of course, depending on how you feel about PEDs or whatever, but mm-hmm. truthfully, I think he is no doubt the best of all time. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Is he the most talented heavyweight of all time if he goes through those two guys? Yeah, probably, because he's mm. the most talented fighter of all time. Mm, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh, God. Here we go. Okay. <clears throat> Just going to burn with starting. We got to do this again. I mean, my, my tongue is numb. Wing six, question five. <laughs> okay. Booyah. 
Oh, God. Okay. Question five, Dom. Okay. Who are two fighters who have not fought yet that you could see having a trilogy of bouts? We have done this before. If you are a attentive listener to this uh, at this show that we do, we have done this before. It's been a while. I figured we'd revisit it because one of the fights. I don't remember who you said for that question the first time, Dom. But I said Pitbull versus McKee, and we're we're on our way. I mean, yeah. they, they, they're one and one. So I mean, potentially we could see that at some point. So who would you who would you say right now? Okay, uh, this is going to be one that I'm probably going to want to talk a little bit more in depth about. But again, first one that comes to mind, and this could be a little bit of cheating, but not necessarily because they haven't fought yet. What do you think about uh, what do you think about a Jalen Turner Matuski Amrot potential trilogy down wow. the line? I, I I view two guys like this as the future of the lightweight division. <clears throat> They're going to be around for a long time. Jalen probably a little longer just because he's a little younger. Uh, but Matos is still very much in his prime. I think he's like 31 or 32. Both guys just look so elite right now, amongst these younger guys especially. And, you know, I'm viewing this as all these veterans up top are going to phase out. All these new guys are going to come in. Who's to say they won't stay amongst the top five like Dustin and Justin and Charles have for, you know, X amount of years now. I think it's possible, especially like I'm looking forward to that fight this weekend, guys. That's my That's the second most intrigued bout for me on this whole UFC 285 card is Turner versus Gamrot. I think that's just two young lions that are so evenly matched. The odds are going to be fun to talk about this weekend too. And I just think that's a great one. It's already number 10 versus number seven. Two more times after that, when they're amongst the top 10, top five still here in the next one to two years. And maybe one of them becomes a champion one day too. I think it's possible. I like starting with that one for sure. There's a couple that were floating through my head as hard as it is to really think right now. Right, yeah. One that I'm going to throw out, um, how about John Wei Lee, Tatiana Suarez? Oh, man. That is a good one. Mm. That's a good one. I feel one. like both are going to be in the title picture for a long time. I could see John Wei Lee getting the better of Tatiana. It, depending on how quickly the UFC push her, you know, if she's fighting for a title, if she gets one more win and is fighting for a title, mm-hmm. I could see her not quite being back to the level she was before the injuries and maybe Zhang Weili catching her a weaker version of her and then her getting a couple wins, whatever, coming back, defeating Zhang Weili as a much more improved and kind of got her mojo back version. Mm-hmm. And then they do a trilogy bout where I would probably say right now, Tatiana Suarez, undisputed. Interesting. You know I like that one. You knew coming in when you said that I was going to like that one. That's a good one. You know, it's interesting you brought them up. I'm trying to look now. I mean, dude, you can make so many just in the women's flyweight division alone with all the young up-and-comers. I mean, it's crazy. You could do Aaron Blanchfield and Valentina three times. You could do Aaron Blanchfield versus, like, Manon Fior potentially three times. Like, even Santos. There's so many young talents that are so young into the game as well. It's very possible that they are maybe the first fight they're fighting to get into the top 10. The second fight, they're both solidified in the top five, but one has to earn a title. Third fight, someone is a champion and someone earned their way back to fight for the title. That's kind of the way that we envision a lot of these scenarios. I think that's probably fair, right? 
One time mm-hmm. they fight to be elite. <clears throat> the second time they fight to earn a title shot. And then the third one, someone has become a champion and the other one worked their way back. I think that's the perfect recipe for a trilogy. A rivalry I see bubbling a little bit. It hasn't got to its peak yet because the fight's a ways away from happening. I'll throw out Jamal Hill, Yuri Prohaska. That's a good one. I do like that one. Yeah. Because Yuri, you know, never lost his belt. He comes back from injury. Maybe he gets right back to the throne, but I don't think Jamal Hill's going anywhere. So, And Yuri has that style, Dom, where he's so good that he can be a champion against – I mean, he could beat anybody. He's that good. But he also has those deficiencies or those moments of weakness where he can get caught against anybody and lose against anybody too, it feels like. I'll give you one. I see. This is what I knew was going to happen on this question, but it's fun. I had to give my boy Tom Aspinall a little shout out. He's been out for a while. I'm so ready to see him back from the knee injury. What about him? Because he's going to take a step back in his next fight, and I'm not saying this will be his next one. But these are two guys that I view as future champions at heavyweight. Tom Aspinall, Jalton Almeida, potential trilogy bout down. Ooh, that'd be a fun one, huh? That would be fun. I actually thought you were going to say Pavlovich, but um. I could see I could see him being in that mix too. I don't know how old Pavlovich is. I feel like he's around 31, 30. Yeah, he's not yeah, prime. So no, I like that. Uh, the idea of Aspinal Jailton Almeida fighting in the future really just mm. does something for me. Yeah, that's the beauty of heavyweight right now. <clears throat> it's the best it's ever been in terms of like young talent, I think, especially. That's an interesting debate too, just like because I feel like as so much of the the discourse. I'm hearing even this week. I've been watching a lot of Chael Sonnen interviews this week. <laughs> he's he's been painting this picture that this heavyweight division's in a bad spot. He's oh, talking about man. how surreal gone. This is the only top 25 ranked heavyweight that has never had a wrestling match, and the only top 25 ranked heavyweight that's not a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And he's one and one in his last two. He's like, Why the hell is surreal gone at the top of the card? So, wow. like, I know it's like, damn. I'm like, I, I mean, we've we've thought pretty highly of Surreal Gone. So, yeah, uh, that I don't know, man, dude. I I look at this top fifteen at heavyweight right now. Obviously, there's some that strike out. Um, I think a little bit, but overall, I think it thins man. out pretty quick, though. Like when you get to unranked, um, I mean, it's it's a bit. Oh, unranked, it, there's a huge drop-off. I mean, we see that on every fight night uh, featured bout. There's always one of those you can count on. But uh, if you're talking about these top dogs, man, and, and skill for skill, pound for pound, these are the. I think this is the best batch of heavyweights we've probably ever seen skill-wise. And that's, that's even about France. Oh, yeah, that's a hot take too, Dom, to say that. I mean, that's because you think back to some of these heavyweight groups. You know, it's definitely better than like, what the tough boom when like Arlovsky and Sylvia were at the mm-hmm. top? Like that's always looked at as, like the weakest. That's looked at as like the weakest yeah. point, the heavyweight division. But man, Brock's you arrow was the, good. Who Brock? Brock's oh, yeah. arrow yeah, Brock was good. Frank, yeah, Frank Mir, Noguera was there. Shane Carwin. I mean, you then yeah, and then you go to like Kane and JDS, and yeah, yeah, Big, yeah. Bigfoot Silva. Um, Frank Mir was still there for a little bit. I don't know. And then Fabrizio Verdum came in, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't think I can go that far, especially – I know technically it's cheating because it's, like, not all UFC. But you go before tough or even at that time, I mean, the pride heavyweight division yeah. was probably the best heavyweight division 
ever. Hmm. So you you include those UFC heavyweights into the pride. I mean, that was the best batch of heavyweights, you know, ever across MMA. You look at yeah. today's, yeah, the UFC have most of the top ones. Like Ryan Bader, is he a top 10 worldwide heavyweight? Maybe. But, you know, he's not one of the guys that's up for debate for being the top of the, you know, pound for pound or top of the division rankings as a whole for all of MMA. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's interesting. I'd like to hear people's thoughts on that, what they think of the heavyweight division. Cause that's a bold statement. I mean, I, I, there is the talent there. Like there is some guys, some diamonds in the rough is more what I look at it though, as Dom, because mm. there's a lot of stale pieces in this top 15 as well. I mean, oh, there are, there definitely are. So that's I mean, you compare the heavyweight division to almost any other weight class in the UFC outside of, women's bantamweight and i guess women's featherweight i think it's probably the third weakest top 15 oh mm. oh well you might be able to put light heavyweight yeah um, that's the one i was wondering that and middleweight's getting a little bit stronger but yeah i think light heavyweight and then maybe heavyweight after that and yet, I mean, despite being kind of middle of the road for the divisions in terms of top 15, you stand by the best heavyweight division we've ever had. I think so, dude. I'm going to, yeah, I mean, look, we got Surreal Gone, Sergey Pavlovich, Curtis Blades, Aspinall, Spivak, Romanov, Almeida. That's seven of the 15 that I think could all hold a belt. You think Spivak can hold a belt? You're lying. You're lying if you say that. The way he's looked, I don't care who he's, what type of Derek Lewis he's beaten up. You never Dom, know with these heavyweights, on. so he's come got on. the power to do it. Yeah. I every other name you said, I would give you, but you, the polar bear ain't winning no damn title. Did you the really? Did you roar. really fall? Did you fall that hard for him with his little post-fight speech where he called for John Jones and the title? Like you really fell for him that hard? I must have. I must have. The only way to solve it, well, we never mind. We won't get it because Sergey's fighting Curtis. I wanted Sergey on Sergey violence, but I'll wait. For Dom, that. I'm telling you, Pavlovich gets smashed by any of those guys you just said. You mean Spivak? I'm assuming Spivak. I'm my brain's. <laughs> well, he already sweat. has been smashed by Aspie now, so you do have a partial point there. I mean, I think he's good for sure. I think he's a quality top fifteen heavyweight, but I think he's hit his ceiling, like where he's at now. Like I don't mm. like, and I mean, yeah. he had the kind of. Like he'll look great against guys like Derek Lewis or even Greg Hardy. Like he kind of looks like phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. But Dom, when he goes up against a guy who's able to catch him or has hand speed, you know, not just power, but is able to kind of hit him with punches and bunches, he just like can't. Tom. He just doesn't have the durability that yeah. you need as a top level heavyweight to win a title, in my opinion. No, that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. I mean, if you want to cut, you could come back at me if you want. I mean, no, no, I. Even if you take him out, that's still six guys I think could be champions. I don't know if I could go back to another heavyweight era and name six <laughs> people I think could be champions. Yeah, it'd be, it could be close, three, four, that. five, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I will be curious to see what other people think because I do feel like a lot of the discourse that you hear, not just Chael Sonnen, but people talk about the heavyweight division like it's weak. And maybe some of that's because these damn fight night cards are filled with these unranked heavyweights that That's are on the these big spots. <laughs> yeah. When really 
I think if, if anything, it's very top heavy, but that top is, it's maybe like you're saying, maybe it is the most talented. Yeah. At least like when you take those six, if you put those six up against the top six from any other era in terms mm. of potential mixed with, you know, what they've achieved, maybe you're right. Maybe it is the most potential filled, the highest ceiling of any heavyweight weight class in history. You may have a point to that. That would actually be a good take to, you know, die, like die on that hill, Dom. Oh, I will. I will. Let's go, big boys. We got the big right, boys uh, and the flyweights. Yeah, I, I stalled enough. I was Wing hoping seven. that question would go on forever. <laughs> Wing seven, question six. Tell my mother... Love her. Will do. Question six, Dom. Jamal Hill is now the light heavyweight champion of the UFC, of course. And he's got a few potential opponents in his near future. Mm -hmm. My question is, who of these potential opponents would you favor against Jamal Hill? Mm -hmm. We have Yuri Prohaska, yep. Magomed Ankalaev, Jan Blahovich, and Alexander Rakage. Those four specifically... But, Dominic, if there's any other current light heavyweights who you think could be favored against him right now, feel free to throw them in as well. Okay. And when so I say favored, I mean in your mind, not betting odds, what you think. Like to win the fight, basically? Yeah, okay. yeah like not betting odds, not who's going to be favored to win the fight betting odds-wise, but just in your mind, who do you favor to win? Yeah, so I know we've kind of had this discussion partially, but it was more toward the betting odds part of uh, yeah. side of things with these four fighters and Jamal. And we said with all of them, it would be essentially a pick and fight, if not Jamal being a betting underdog. So then if you take the betting odds away and you just look at the fight styles here, Jamal versus Yuri, that's such a... That that to me is like a pretty much toss up 50-50. So I can't confidently say Yuri definitely beats Jamal. You go down to Magomed Ankalaev, it gets a little different because he brings in the grappling side of things. But here I am backtracking, not backtracking, but fighting that point against myself because you look at Jamal's takedown defense versus Glover, it was sensational. It was unbelievable, as a matter of fact, how good it was. I know Magomed's a little bit younger. He's a little bit faster, a little bit stronger than Yuri or I'm sorry, not Yuri, Glover, when it would come to those takedowns. I don't know, though, man. I kind of feel semi-confident Jamal could beat Magomed. Okay, mm -hmm. so let me go to number three, Jan Blahovich. I think Jamal probably gets the best of Jan, I think, so on the feet, uh, even grappling. I just don't think Jan can get... If Glover can't get Jamal down, I don't think Jan's getting Jamal down. Rakic is an interesting one. Now he is out with a knee injury. I'm excited to see him back. I know he's not always in the most fun of fights, but he is a very elite striker and kickboxer. Jamal Hill, a very, very, very good boxer striker. Not necessarily with his kicks, though. I almost feel like there's a world where Alexander Rakic could outpoint Jamal to a decision and win a belt. So crazy enough, Noah, out of those four, I think Rakic <clears throat> would be the hardest fight and potentially the one to beat Jamal wow. out of those four. I did the have to, I just talked myself into that, I think, but I'm going to any, any other names, any other names that aren't on here that you may favor. Well, if Almeida ever comes back down, I would go him at light heavyweight champion but right now though. It's right, right now. Of course. Um, Walker span, Ozdemir, Craig Reyes, Crute, Jacoby, Roundtree, Mazurkinov, 
Mm, Smith. I feel, like so, I feel like you so badly want to go Anthony Smith. Oh, I would love nothing more than Anthony Smith to win a belt and rub it into all the haters' faces. But no, I think these are definitely like the top four with the best chance. And out of those four, I can't believe it, but I think Ragic might have the best chance. I don't know. That's actually, I'm glad you went that way because for me, it was Yuri Prohaska and Magomed on Kalayev that I would favor. Yeah. Yuri is, probably, le- Yuri, like you said, I mean, it's almost a pick him. Just because he's a wild man, you know? He's a wild man, but I yeah. could definitely see him getting yeah. in a win. On Kalayev, I actually think I feel more confident in. Mm. Um, you are right, though. Like, Jamal Hill showed so much improvement in terms yeah. of his takedown defense. But even if he's not taking him down, like Ankalaev is very capable of fighting, outpointing Jamal Hill for five rounds. I mean, it's That's definitely possible. True. Jamal Hill is a great, he's got great stand-up. Don't get me wrong. Powerful yeah. stand-up. Yeah. Kind of the kind of guy that can put you away with one punch at light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. But we have seen when he's and now it's a small sample size, but when he's forced to go into later rounds, I'm not going to say he slows down. He doesn't, at least not usually. I mean, in Glover, he, I mean, he beat on Glover for five rounds and looked like the fresher guy yeah. in doing so. But I will say, like, I look at the Tiago Santos fight. Obviously, Tiago Santos is a, very talented kickboxer, underrated talent, uh, light heavyweight. But this was not the Tiago Santos that nearly beat John Jones on one leg. Yeah. This is the Tiago Santos that, after that injury, lost a major- more fights than he won before now he's going to be competing in the PFL. Yeah. And yes, Jamal Hill got a finish round four, and he's capable of doing that at, at any point, any round. But it was actually a pretty competitive fight. Like, standing for the majority of it yeah and again tiago santos is probably a a purely better striker than ankalaev but i think the respect that you have to show ankalaev due to how well-rounded he is gives openings in the stand-up that maybe tiago wasn't able to find against jamal hill i like that. so for that reason i would favor ankalaev but after what after the egg that ankalaev kind of dropped against jan blahovich Yablovich still very good. It does kind of make me wonder if maybe we had crowned this guy as the future too soon. Mm, yes, he came on strong in the final rounds, but make no mistake. I mean, he was a couple leg kicks away from being out of there, like it looked like at points. Like he and going not... in, it the the world, the community was heavily on the Ankalaev side. You yeah. know, so. I mean, it's a bit like it's a smaller example of like when Islam was expected, not by us, but expected by the community to dominate bulk. And then he doesn't. Right. right. But then all of a sudden it's like a disappointing performance. We don't view it that way. For but sure. Now all of a sudden, you know, Islam beat the number one pound for pound fighter. And yet he was like, it was looked at as like a disappointing performance. Right. Yeah. Do you have anybody out, out of those four? Just, I would say Prohaska and Ankalaev. I think Blahovich. You know, it's hard to count out Blahovich because if that fight is standing for five rounds, I mean, look at what Blahovich did against Izzy. Now, Jamal Hill, bigger, more powerful than Izzy, an actual 205-pounder. But, you know, Jan Blahovich was in a kickboxing match against Izzy and didn't look bad bad. doing it. (laughs) And obviously, he was able to get that fight to the ground in the later rounds and kind of hold him down. 
But Jan Blahovic is not actually that good of a grappler. Like, right, right. I think in that fight, it happened because he was just so much bigger yeah. than Izzy. But in general, you know, I think this fight would be majority on the feet. For sure. And I would, I would, I feel like Jamal Hill would, I'd favor him, the hand speed, the power, you know, don't even, Polish power is there, but yeah, yeah. Um, it, I wouldn't mind to see it. And Alexander Rakic is the wild card. That's why I put him on here because people for, people are going to forget. Oh, Rakic, absolutely. Rakic, I hope, will be back soon. Last time we saw him was against Jan Blahovic, and, you know, that fight was just getting underway when yeah. Rakic blew out his knees. So hopefully he comes back 100%. If yeah. he does, I like your points there. I don't, I'm not going to favor him at this moment, but if he comes back and maybe fights Blahovich again or hell fights on Kalaev and he wins. Yeah. That would say a lot for yeah. for me in terms of who I would be siding with in a future fight. But right this yeah. second, you know, gonna ride with Jamal Hill on that one. Okay. And nobody else outside the top four? Just for fun. No, you know, I I, I do Except think Anthony Smith. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say Anthony Smith so I could shit on you for it. But no, <laughs> Anthony Smith is great. But um, uh, even though everybody seems to think he's terrible, I don't know what's going on yeah. there. They're, we asked for people to explain the hatred for Anthony Smith, and all the responses were just saying that they hate Anthony Smith. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess was what we asked for, but it was like Tom, yeah. it was like it was like because he's a shitty fighter who gets mad or he he uh, critiques fighters people that are, that are so much more accomplished than him. And I'm like, wasn't that kind of what you're doing? He- like critiquing anthony smith and anthony is an analyst for espn well yeah (laughs) well i was kind of like wait so the guy commenting on this video who's probably never fought a day in their life is calling anthony smith the shitty fighter right but you're mad at anthony smith who you say is a shitty fighter for talking shit about great fighters do you get the i see there's like a a steps yeah the circle there yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah so that's why I kind of I, I I have some empathy for Anthony Smith because we we are both guys who don't fight them, right? Contrary to our new logo, those <laughs> aren't real. That's not real blood. It's not real scars. I know it was hard to tell, <clears throat> but you know it's we critique fighters all the time on this show. Like I I just don't have a reason to dislike Anthony Smith because he analyzes fighters and fights like. He's right. good at it. And is very good at it. Right. Also, but no, being, I but no, I think he gets smashed by Jamal Hill. And you're probably saying <laughs> no to anyone else, I'm assuming, out of the top. Yeah, of you know, right. well what was interesting, you said um you were talking about Jelton Almeida. I hope he comes back, back down, but probably not. Yeah. But see, the question what I'm thinking of, I'm thinking like right now, if that book was fight, if the fight was booked tomorrow, who would you favor? And I think Almeida still needs some more seasoning before he's ready to like take a title mm, yeah that, i'd say that's still fair for sure yeah and uh you want to i'll go a step further <laughs> from five to 15 there's no one i don't think five to 15 that beats anyone one to four i'm gonna say that right mm. now if they fought right this second i don't think there is you know another wild card that you can just throw in here it's actually just two I mean, is Johnny Walker back? 
that's the question, right? It's just... I I did ask that partially, I guess, when he fought yeah. last two. Um, I mean, I'm I'm still not quite there, but I'm just saying he's a wild card. And the guy he beat last, Paul Craig, has a win over the champion. Just saying. <laughs> he's just such a weird matchup for people. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, You're we saying Johnny is yeah. weird. No, no, Paul Craig. Paul Paul Craig. Okay. Because he's so good when he gets when he gets a hold of you, he's able to submit you like that. Yeah. And a lot of these guys just ain't ready for it. Jamal Hill found that out the hard way. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. More times than not, Jamal Hill's gonna or excuse me. Paul Craig. It's it's my it's my you are sporting the traditional Scottish kilt. What is under? Yes, please. You want to see? It's my it's my it's my your kibbles and bits? It's my it's my cock. No. <laughs> is going to get smashed by anybody in the top five. But I could see a change. I could just see like a like a, a sliver, like one, one out of every ten times he fights one of those top five guys, he's probably catching him in something. Well, you know what, Noah? Let us not forget, yes, he does have a win over Jamal. He submitted Magomed Ankalaev as well with one second left That's in their true. fight. He has two yeah. wins against arguably the two best guys in the division, yet he's ranked number 10 and not many people are going to see him challenging for a yeah. title. Ever. Yeah, he'll but, uh, never get there, unfortunately, because he just has to have too many. He just is a he has a very limited but powerful skill set. But unfortunately, he has too many bad matchups ahead of him. But if he were to get one of those matchups, I'm just saying there's like a 10 percent chance he wins. One more add-on question, okay? We're really giving you a lot of cooldown time with the yeah. wings. That's probably a good thing. It's uh, much this appreciated. Of course. This is no slight to Jan Blachowicz, Polish power, but he's the oldest of those top four in discussion. So if you were to take out Jan Blachowicz, who would be someone from 5 to 15 that you think takes that spot next into that top four? Do can you, you think... Can you give me the names that follow these guys in the rankings? Yep. So literally you listed one through four. That was our beginning discussion. <clears throat> Anthony Smith starts at number five. Then you have Krylov, Walker, Span, Uzdemir, Craig, Reyes, Krut, Jacoby, Roundtree, Mirzakhanov. Ryan Span could be a low-key wild card. I totally actually forgot because we were supposed to see him fight this past weekend. I think he could um, get into that. I would I would say he would take that place next over those other guys. God, out of the group you just mentioned, you're right, though. None of these guys are probably touching anybody. In I don't think top. so. I don't think so. At one time, I might have believed Jimmy Crute had that potential, but I don't know. He's even his last think, win. Like, ugh, I, you know. I think Span's the closest, and I still don't think I'd favor him over any of those top four. No, Maybe I'm not even sure if I favor him. I'm not even sure if I favor him over Krylov. But <laughs> right. Yeah, I forgot. That's it's true. like, do I want to put Krylov in that? And Anthony Smith, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust Anthony Smith. Like, he looks yeah. really good at points, and then, you know, he yeah, he has some pretty rough performances sometimes, too. It's Man, that's, you know, that, that is a big drop. Um, let me tell you, because I think that, these top five that we're talking about are all – capable or have held a title yeah and once you go below that though dom it drops i mean ryan span we'll see if it's legit if he you know took the made the changes to his camp and yeah it's taking things seriously he did seem emotional if you saw his um 
interview he had when the fight fell through. Falling out. He was very emotional talking about it. And now the fight's been rebooked for like a week from now. Next so week. We'll find out if he gets a really big win there and looks good doing it. You know, all of a sudden maybe he creeps into that discussion. But yeah, I've had yeah. too many times where I've seen Ryan Spann not look like that kind of fighter for me to just give him it off of a win over Dominic Reyes, you know. Well said. We'll leave it at that. Uh, okay. Another wing. So Wing eight. Question seven. I will say the numbness of my tongue is actually helping. It's got it. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm stomaching this better as I go. Yeah, you have gained wind. I feel like it's probably only hurting now as you swallow, and maybe that's about it because you don't feel it on <laughs> no. your tongue no more. Oh, shit. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Uh, like... Oh God! Oh yeah, wrong my esophagus. It's back. It's back. <clears throat> yep, not good. Question <laughs> seven, Dom. Yep. With surreal gone fighting this weekend, yeah. If he were to lose, there could be a discussion had on Monday about <laughs> if we were wrong about surreal gone and our hopes for him to be the most talented heavyweight of all time, our calls for him to be that. So because of that, since that fight hasn't taken place, question is, who is the fighter we were most wrong about? And we'll each give one here. But, you know, this is this is not just during the time of this show, but even before that. I mean, Dom, you used to be the king of hot takes. Yeah, yeah. Damn, I know I've got some crazy ones, too, that I just can't bring out or just can't remember, I should say. Uh, I'm trying to think of something. Man, this is a tough one for me, Noah. You're going to have to bear with me here. We're going to have to bear with each other because you're cooling down. I'm trying to think. Can I, can I throw one out just to get the conversation started? I, that's probably going to have to be the best method here for this one. Yeah. This isn't a great answer, but it's just someone that popped in my head. Cody Garbrandt. See, I thought that initially and just wasn't sure how I wanted to word it. But for sure, like when we... When he beat Dominic Cruz, he looked like the best bantamweight of all time. And since then is one and five. And all five losses are by knockout, I'm pretty sure. Well, Rob Font was a decision. Okay, yeah, but four out of five. Four. And then, a yeah, yeah. I think all four of those besides, well, all four of those were before round three. So yeah. first few rounds. I think that's definitely up there. And I think that's safe to say that's for both of us too. A guy, um, it really is. It's really been a wild career for Cody and we're going to see how he can potentially bounce back I mean he's fighting Trevin Jones this weekend at 285 that's definitely up there and it's definitely a mutual one for us I think that can is I a throw good out one. another one if you're yeah still of thinking. course of course this is one from the podcast I don't know how much we really bought into it but there was a discussion at one point Dom who's the future of the heavyweight division Tom Aspinall or Chris Dawkins Damn, yeah, you're right. They were neck and neck at one time, one time for sure. And you know, Chris Dawkins has time. His his story is not written yet, but yeah. I'll tell you someone that I felt really wrong about because they're not in the UFC anymore. So unless they come back, that might be all she wrote. I thought Askar Askarov was a future UFC champion. Oh yeah, dude, I forgot about that. He got cut, no? Or did he, he free agent his left? Release. Okay, he asked okay. for his release. And he hasn't fought, I don't think, anywhere that I know of. I think he went I to ACA. Okay, okay. Yeah, 
that's a good one. I'm trying to think of old ones, even like before the podcast, if I can. It gets a little tougher. Trying what about to think of um, one for you? What about like Brandon Vera? Um, or uh, what, the Tarantula? I did, yeah. See, I was so young then, I probably just thought all these guys could do amazing things. Uh, but yeah, the Tarantula, Kendall Grove, I loved him. Trying to think of all those guys. Chuck, the Rich Franklins, the Tito's, the Anderson era. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm honestly struggling here. Like, Cody's the one that came to my head first. Um, You know, this wasn't necessarily me. I, You know, I bet when she first came into the UFC, I definitely probably believed in the hype. Maybe not potentially all the way to a champion like people are saying. Or like the way Dana was hyping her up at one time. Cynthia Calvillo was someone who had a Ooh, lot of hype coming into the one. UFC. So they talked about how great of a grappler that she was. And Dana was really, really high on Cynthia when they brought her in. She I think was he called Alpha her the future male. Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I think that is definitely a partial quote, at least, from when she came in. And she, she had early moments of success, but never anything that made me, you know, believe into that hype. Or at least if I did believe in it, I quickly stopped. So I think... Partially, I could say for me, Cynthia would be one. Maybe not as high as others, but I think that's a good one. Definitely for like just the MMA world and community as a whole. I hope the surreal gone one doesn't come true as a fan uh, this Saturday. You know what though, man? Like, if gone were to lose, it's a loss to Francis and it's a loss to John Jones. Do you think having those two losses would potentially make us wrong about him? Because I feel like there's still just a room for him to correct those wrongs it depends on how he loses okay yeah. you have to remember the claim that we made was that he was perhaps the most talented all-around heavyweight of all time right if he shows a complete lack of takedown defense and really just a lack of iq in the yeah. ground game you know dom me and you we're not going to be as smart to every single aspect Nuance, of that ground yeah. game yeah. But I have watched videos breakdown that broke down that fight with Nganu and Gan. Okay. And the consistent thing I was hearing was that Gan was making day one mistakes Mistake. in the jiu-jitsu side of things. So if that and part of me wants to believe he was so not expecting Nganu to take him down that it was just like this thing he didn't even work on in his camp. And it kind of showed when the fight went there. And Nganu just showed a lot more talent in that aspect than we thought he had. Mm -hmm. But if Jones, who is a better grappler than Francis is, comes in here and does similar things, I think we can say, I think I'll be able to say with certainty, he may be the guy I was most wrong about. Because I think he's an elite level heavyweight, but a very limited one. Oh yeah, that's, that's what one. I'm worried about because I really thought with something stuff he had shown in his submission capabilities, mm -hmm. along with the really high level striking, I thought he was a complete package. But now we're seeing yeah. defensively, yeah, he may not only be a little weaker in his grappling defense. Dom, they were saying he looked lost. Wow, in the okay. sauce in those okay. exchanges. So we really will find out against John. Too, yeah. you know I, I mean don't get me wrong 
I'm not writing him off as being a potential future champion because losses to Ngannou and Jones, I mean, you're talking two of the best heavyweights ever. Yeah. Well, two, one of the best heavyweights ever, the best fighter of all time. Yeah. It's And I'm expecting Gon to lose. I just hope that he doesn't lose in that fashion. Fair, fair. Dude, I think another one, this is a kind of related to Calvillo, so I was partially on the train, but just as the community as a whole, your eye hall's got to be up there, right? Got to be coming off yeah, the see that. Fighter. See, you know, it's hard for me because I'm very limited in my era. You know, it's mm-hmm. UFC 199 to present day as far as that I can say that yeah. I watched live. So, yeah, Uriah Hall, when he was on The Ultimate Fighter, I mean, Dana, I've, I've watched Harrison's the interviews Anderson. with Dana yeah. where they talked about bringing him in to fight Anderson right away. It's like, wow. yeah, Yeah. Like, it's he really, really had people convinced that he was going to be a, a huge deal. Yeah. A couple people I was wrong about, and both of these were probably on the podcast. I mean, I've already talked about Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira, how wrong I was. I bet against him almost every step of the way, mm-hmm. and they both became champions. Right. One beating the other. But then, like, Paulo Costa, I thought, was going to beat Israel Adesanya. Oh, um, yeah, that's a good one. one. That's a good um, one. I predicted our one of our very first episodes, we were predicting who the champions would be a year later. Dominic, I said Marlon Marais for Bantamweight. Marlon yeah. Marais never won another fight in the UFC. And hasn't outside either as of now. Yep. So yeah. He retired and then came back. So yeah. Yeah. It's that was a bad one. But I the magic man had he I thought he had all the potential in the world. I was still hung up on his knockout victories over Sterling and Jimmy Rivera. That's another guy, Jimmy Rivera. Whatever happened to him, huh? Yeah. He's, he didn't he go to Bear Knuckle? Oh boy. We were tight with his family. We should know this. Uh, <laughs> but Dom. Uh, Tell when I was at UFC 203 with you, hmm? I thought even though the fight wasn't all that great, when Jimmy Rivera beat Uriah Faber, I said, Holy shit! And he was what was he 22 and one? Or yeah, he was undefeated? on an insane, yeah, his record was nuts. I he can't wasn't remember. undefeated though, I think he had one loss or something, or, yeah, no more than one. Though, it sure. was a really good record, yeah. And I was like, Holy shit, this guy's a future champion. I remember saying that, yeah, so actually, he's a good one because. Even though he was still good, he just all of a sudden he was gone. And I believe he went to bare knuckle. I could be wrong, but well, since you brought up UFC two oh three, I guess I'll bring out the most glaring one for me then, because you just <laughs> you just rung the bell. Probably Jojo, Jojo Calderwood, formerly known as Jojo Wood, Joanne Wood now. UFC two oh three, it's an infamous story at this point. If you're a longtime listener, uh, you know the vibes by this point. But I was really high on Jojo and I would Heard a lot about her heading into UFC 203 way back in 2016. I was hyping her up to Noah and our friend Tommy and Nick when we all went to Cleveland to see that event. She was fighting Jessica Andrade, funny enough, that evening, and I didn't quite know what was to come of Jessica's career at that point, but I just thought Joanne was going to be the next big thing. Uh, had never been taken down before. It's still a real fact at that point. It really was, I promise. Uh, and she got smashed by Jessica Andrade in that fight wasn't even competitive for one second and really ever since then it's not gotten too much better like she did go down and wait to 125 she's had her fair moments top 10 and whatnot but never anything that crazy so i had to i have some fun with myself there noah i had to i was trying to think of one more that i was like low on and ended up exceeding expectations i know i was trying to think of like uh, vice versa i feel like so often it's people you're high on who disappoint it's hardly ever i mean i i mentioned that i was low on blahovich and 
uh, Glover, but those right. are like really big examples. I'm trying to think of someone who I was low on from the beginning, and then here they are now as like one of the top fighters in the world. It's hard because you typically don't have that many thoughts about people when they're you know young in the game, right? But yeah, yeah. Um, you know someone that could disappoint us potentially, still yet to be determined. Manel Cop could be one. Really excited when he came into the UFC. He's had he started yeah, rough. He's he's true. strengthened out, but he's at number nine right now. So that's still kind of you know we'll see. But you know who I, could I know, be who could be who could end up being an example of what I'm talking about. Someone I was low on who exceeds those expectations. It could be Patty Pimblett. Truthfully, that would be the biggest one for you for sure. Yeah. I would say yeah yeah. I think and I so. mean. Because if he well, became like a champion, I mean, I would. There's a lot of proof of me <laughs> saying otherwise. Bilal Muhammad. Well, that's the thing, though. But he's I, kind I, of. I've always thought Bilal was good. I just didn't like his fight style. That was always yeah. my thing. He was like, okay. he was a guy that I picked on because I thought he was boring. Yeah. But then I will say he's changed. I did, that. Bet, I did bet against him again when he fought Luke. Mm-hmm. I, no, I bet. For him when he fought uh, Sean Brady. Yeah. But um, the performance he put on against Sean Brady has brought me around to being like, you know what? He is an elite welterweight yeah. and yeah. should be treated as such. Yeah. Try to think if there's any last ones before we move on. Um, I, the one, I can't think of the vice versa one. You know who I had wrote I, off, but now I'm like really back on board with. I had wrote him off completely. But now I'm like, I've made bold claims about this guy in the other direction. I've been like either really into this guy or really not, not okay. in the middle. And that's Hinato Moicano. That's true. That is true. I, I had completely wrote him off, said this guy's never going to mount to anything really. And what did I say after his last one? I said he has the capabilities of making a Charles Oliveira like run. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So. I guess that's plenty. We covered a lot of bases. Yeah, yeah, I did enough stalling. These wings are getting cold, by the way, and they were already cold to start. So, <laughs> wing nine, question eight. All right, question eight. This is something we're going to do together, Dom. Yep. Much like Lego sets, we are going to build together the perfect MMA fighter based on these five separate categories: mm-hmm. fight IQ. Boxing, kicks, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. Yes, I know people, you could probably have more categories here, but we're just doing simple five, and me and Dom right. have to come to a consensus. So yeah. I was firmly expecting myself to be like basically incoherent at this point. So yeah. I am proud of myself and me my too. tongue for going dead on me. So that way I can yeah. focus more on trying to talk without my tongue flopping out like a damn dog. <laughs> And less about the heat of the wings. So, right. with that being said, Dom, who sticks out to you right away for Fight IQ? Because to me, I feel like there's one answer to this. Okay, should we say it at the same time? Three, two, one. See if we're sure. on the same wavelength. Sure. Okay, we'll go three, two, one. I'll say go, then we say it. Three. So wait, wait. wait. <laughs> so three, two, one, go, then say it. Then say it. Yes. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Volkanov. GSB. Oh boy. Okay. That's a good actually, you know what's funny? Volkanovsky was my second choice okay. for this. Okay. So let me I mean honestly, there's really not a wrong answer here. So maybe I was wrong in saying there's only one right answer, but Okay. 
You Am know, I fair to say that I feel like GSP should have the edge over Volkanovski, though? I would think so. Yeah. Because I look at some of the performances that stick out. Don't even, I mean, it's the split in hairs because Volkanovski, you look at what he did against Max in like the third fight. Yeah. What he nearly pulled off against Islam. Like the guy obviously has one of the best fight IQs ever. Yeah. Yeah. And being that he's a, he has physical limitations compared to some of his peers at featherweight you know he's shorter stature sometimes doesn't have the reach advantage it's very impressive but gsp was able to outstrike people with more striking experience than him was able to out grapple and out wrestle better or more established wrestlers than him mm-hmm. and you look at some of the performances i see one that sticks out to me was when he fought Josh Koscheck the second time. Okay. Basically what he did for five rounds was he butchered Koscheck's face with the jab. As simple as it gets. But I guarantee going into that fight, maybe they thought the jab would work, but I don't think they thought it was going to literally win them the fight. GSP had to make that choice to continue going to that well time and time again once the fight took place. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking of. A game plan can be credited the more to just the fighter. Yeah. It's the guys that made those, you know, adjustments in the cage or, you know, stuff that, like I just said, peppering the jab over and over again to the point where that is literally dominating you this fight. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that gives him the edge over anybody in my eyes. Okay. Yeah. That's completely fair. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. We're gonna go all time then, correct? On building this, yeah, fight yeah, yeah. Then. Okay, yeah, yeah. then yeah, I do like I GSP. We'll do that for IQ. I'm here for it. Boxing's an interesting one, very, very much, because I feel like so much has that has at times been such a focal part of the discussion on this. It show. really has, yeah. And it feels like the right answers change time and time again because fights yep. have taken place that have proved yep. otherwise. Whatever. Yep. Who do you lean to on this? Yeah, this is one where we might have to make a small list and choose because I think of a few. And this, I think the the boxing specifically, I think it gets hard to look at all-time lists because there's just been so many fighters. It's easier for a fight IQ to stick out on an all-time list. So for boxing, I really went current day. I'm thinking Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway. Hmm... Maybe mm, Jamal Hill has got good boxing the way he's been looking lately. That's probably the three I would put for a small list to break down. I'm trying to think of. <clears throat> and I think of those three, I would put Poirier first just because yeah, on I the feet, it's not where he's losing fights most of the time. He also yeah. knocked out Conor McGregor, who yes, yeah. at one time may have been the answer to this question. Very true. Floyd. I just think Dustin is... Dustin has this the most if you look at Dustin's strike, he looks like a boxer when he's throwing his punches and even defensively, the way that he slips, <clears> the way that he defends with his hands, with the elbows and everything that he does looks more like a boxer than even like a Holloway and Jamal in terms of the way they look and definitely the way that he performs. He is spot on offensively and defensively. I prefer to go with the lighter weight guy like who you mentioned because mm-hmm. of the hand speed too. Yeah, true. So that 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 disqualifies people like Stipe or JDS, who 
who are all-time boxers in the heavyweight division. Yeah, yeah. Trying to see if there's anybody else that kind of sticks out. It's really tough. I mean, how about our Jimerson? <laughs> you probably do. You even know what I'm talking about there? Well, wait, that's someone that uh, came in from boxing, correct? Like one well, of the he OGs. Was UFC one. Yeah, he's yeah. the guy that fought with one boxing glove. Okay, okay. Or James Tony. I fought Randy Couture, right? That, yeah. We could use that. Hey, he was on the UFC roster, I guess. So could cheat a little bit there. But no, I, I would say Dustin Poirier, maybe. That may not be the best answer for all time. Yeah. Man, it's a little hard. Like fight IQ, like you said, it's a little easier right. to judge all time. Yeah. Boxing's hard because the game has evolved so much that I feel confident that the kind of boxing we're getting today is better yeah. than what it was 20 years ago. Yeah. But there probably is some examples of guys who are maybe just as good, if not better, on that side of things. And it's just not sticking out to me right now. Okay. So Fight IQ, GSP, boxing, Dustin Poirier. Now, kicks, I think there is one answer. Okay. Now, there could be more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I need to stick to what I – but to me, the best – the the one of the only guys, when I went back and watched some of his older fights – where every fight I was, ooh, ah, like wincing and pain by the leg kicks. And as he got older, he actually stopped going to that well as much. Jose fucking Aldo. Oh, see, I almost wonder, though, is that going to be the problem? Because he was only known for the leg kicks. you got other guys that have kicked every fucking direction, head, body, legs, or does that one type Mm -hmm. of kick – make him better because he was so fucking good at that one. I think's the discussion here. Because I'm thinking guys like Izzy is a phenomenal kickboxer. Anderson Silva's kicks. Leota Machida's kicks. Steven mm. Wonderboy Thompson's kicks. But they just have the wider arsenal. Yeah, They're kicking they everywhere, all areas. Jose's leg kicks are by far the best leg kicks of all time. Yeah, I guess I didn't uh yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it like that. I mean I guess I was purely trying to think. I was trying to separate so much the boxing from the kicking. Yeah. That that's yeah. the where I my direction went. But I mean, you make a good point. I mean, Izzy is. I mean, all those guys you mentioned, Anderson. I think an underrated example would be if you go back to the old days, uh, Pedro Hizo uh, yeah. had some of the toughest leg kicks. Now, primarily a leg kicker, so. To your point. Mirko Krokop. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I Dude. mean, he had the Krokop. He got Krokopped by Gonzaga. He Dude, was, I... He was my, dangerous. I, lethal with kicks. Mirko Krokop could be the... Uh, Get an OG on the list? I guess it, when you really think about it, Dom, like, what's more valuable, I guess, as two guys who've never trained? You're right. What's more valuable is when you attack with the legs. Is it attacking the legs of your opponent or is it, you know, doing some of those creative like teep kicks or mm-hmm. um, what else? What, what's the ship? Like, uh, question mark shit kicks, is yes, um, that's what I was thinking. He's of, phenomenal question mark with question mark kicks. Like, I mean, what what's more valuable to you? Like, yes, Anderson and Izzy are good at kicking everywhere, but I would say because they mix in so many areas, you know, the yeah. body, the head. 
I don't feel like they're really known as leg kickers as much. So if you have a guy who primarily is able to get to focus on the legs and does it successfully, I would argue that might be the most valuable approach. That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point, man. Cause like for me, I think I would prefer someone that can kick all three areas because you're constantly making your opponent think, Oh my God, am I going to get kicked in the face? Am I going to get kicked in the body? Mm -hmm. Is he about to kick me in the leg? And I think we see a lot of people even do that now. I think like even um, what was Wonder Boy's last fight? Who was it? Uh, with Ke Kevin Holland. Uh, yeah, Kevin he was Holland. able to just constantly, I think, make Kevin think, oh shit, where is the next kick's gonna, kick going to come from? So I, I think I would go with a variety or kicking at all three levels, I guess I should say, over one completely dominant kick, whether it's to the head, body, or um, leg. And that's what I'm trying to think. Was Mirko only for the head kicks? I think he could kick pretty much everywhere. Uh, he pretty much kicked everywhere. I, you know, it's still like we're at a bit of a standstill here. We, we we could always differ here, I suppose, if we wanted. But we've I'm going to stick far. with Aldo if you want to do that. If you want to give okay. your answer, we'll differ here with three. So fight IQ, GSP, boxing, Dustin kicks. So you're going Jose Aldo for the dominant leg kicks. I think I'm going to I'm going to go with uh I wanted to go Crow Cop just cuz I brought up the old legends but I'm going to go with uh Wonderboy I think. I think he's been able to have the most sustained run with the karate stance even over longer than guys like Leoto. So I'm going to go with Wonderboy's arsenal of kicks for this. Okay. One. I like it. Wrestling. Mm. I mean this is literally day one stuff here Dom. I mean Wrestling was the first art that was able to combat jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I there's mean, a lot of wrestlers if you go all the time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But then you really have to break down the dominant ones. The ones that, that was the bread and butter. They're winning every fight with it. I'm sorry, but I have to go with Habib. That just has to be the answer for me. I know it could even be cliche, but holy shit. 29 and 0, and it all came from the grap the grappling and the wrestling. I'm going Habib. You could you know how badly you know how badly I want to go a little older here. Oh, I can tell you did. Mark Coleman. I and... knew you were gonna say his name. <laughs> <laughs> Who else am I thinking of from that time? Kevin Randleman, rest in peace. Shout Ohio out to Ohio. Yep. yep, another Ohio guy. I so badly want to pick one of those guys, but has the wrestling and MMA evolved to a point where like a guy like Habib, it's just, it's is insane, it better man. for MMA? You know, that don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm, those guys are more credentialed in terms of American style wrestling yeah. for the time. But it, did it fully translate like, because we're, we're talking pure wrestling here. This isn't right. Round right. and pound mixed in because that would completely disqualify someone probably like Randleman who was a bit more. I think that's where the term lay and pray was coined was for Kevin Randleman. Mm -hmm. All time great though. Don't get it twisted. But yeah, um, I might just go with Habib with you. It's you hard know, it's, not it's, to, man. I as we continue down cage side rewind, we're we're gonna be reminded of some of those for sure early days. You know, it's been a while since I think we've watched some of those early cards. So for sure. 
we may become we may have to come back to this in the future for sure for sure jujitsu oh man god i mean oh man talk about day one yeah you could literally throw hoist gracie on this list and probably be fine with it (laughs) like you know who i'm gonna go with though because they stuck to the basics but anytime they had you any had your back or anything you were fucked it was over damian maya Oh, that's a great one. That's so good. That's and his so game and his good. jujitsu game was very basic in ter- from what I'm speaking out of line, out of term here. No, I get what you're saying. By people in the community, he stuck to the basics, but he was so yeah. fucking good at it. Yeah, yeah. And it, every fight, that was the game plan. I yeah. feel like you know what would not disqualify, but keep guys like Charles Oliveira out of this conversation. They've evolved their hands so much. That he doesn't have to rely on it. I mean, he knocked out my. Well, is Chandler, some of it you know is I mean? some like, of it matter that like when you're talking jujitsu? I mean, there is a bit of defense involved in this, right? So Charles sure. Oliveira has been submitted a few times. Yeah, also true. Very good point. Yeah, I believe Damian Maya has never been submitted, and yeah, don't think anybody would even dare to go to the ground with him to begin with. Yeah, Jacare would have been in there. He got submitted by yep. Munez. Munez would have been in there even, but got <laughs> submitted by Brendan Allen. Uh, yeah, Damian Maya is a good honestly. Jockery still could be up there because, yes, he got yeah. submitted, but like that was at the end for him. Um, I, I know she's not as successful as some of these others, but Mackenzie Dern's jujitsu is still world class. I know true. she struggles to get it there, but when you're there, that's not a right. knock on her jujitsu, that's a no. knock on her wrestling, right. right? I mean, she's a world champion, uh, multi time. Trying to think, um, Brian Ortega. Oh, shit, yeah. Brian Ortega is a great example for his Nearly took the belt from Volkanovski with it. Two times. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Adolfo Vieira, multi-time world oh. champion, jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't worked for him in the UFC, though. Yeah, man. Damn. That's the difference, right? That's how we're going to yeah. say yeah. it anyways. I, I, yeah. Maybe we only differed with uh, kicks then because Damien's hard. I think it's hard to get past Damien. Um, Mackenzie's up there for me, for sure. Maybe I just need to see more from her. I like Damien Maya, I think. Yeah. Okay. You know who I forgot to mention for wrestling? And it, What's weird is, like, they definitely used it, especially early on in their career, but I feel like the older they got, well, I feel like, they used it a lot early in their UFC career or just MMA career. And then they used it a lot at the end. And in the middle, they had a lot of like wars on the feet. And that's Randy Couture. Just throw him yeah. there. There you go. That's Talk about accomplished. Cool. I mean, the Greco Roman background, like Yeah. He's a, yeah. he's an all timer in that in that regard. Very good point. Very good. Well, that is it for the questions. But Dominic, there's only one way we end the show around here. That's what the little segment we like to call closing statements. Yes. But before we get into it, I got to eat the last wing. Take it away. The last one. Number 10. Mm-mm-mm. What a time. What a show. <laughs> what a show. Booyah. Now, no, I'm going to. Oh, is there a crumb? Yep. <laughs> got it. Got it down the crumb. Perfect. Now, no, as you chew that, I'll let you finish up. But I just would like to formally reintroduce you, reinduct you to the below average bet slip. And I'm telling you, there's no better time to have you back than right now. 
things are just full steam ahead for the Joes, for the MMA world, and it all gets going. UFC 285 this Saturday. And you know what else is beautiful about it? We get to be in each other's arms as we watch. Hopefully all of our bets hit this weekend. My friend, I'm so proud of you for taking down those 10 blazing wings. <clears throat> and I'm so happy after like three months to have you back. That's my closing I'm, statement. I'm fucking proud of myself. I took those like a fucking champ. Yes, you did. Yes, did you did. I have drink? Yes. <laughs> did I use ranch? Yes. Did I heat the wings up? No. <laughs> but I stand by. They're hot as shit. <laughs> Basically, so they were still hot. Yeah, and we got through it. Yeah, we just did a full ass podcast. Yes. Do I have any closing statements? <laughs> Not really. These were hot. Don't do this. Don't try this yeah. at home. Do yeah. like WWE, right? Little videos they used to play. Yeah. Trained professionals here. Of course. My name's No Baker. That's Dominic Lee. My tongue is going numb. We oh. are but just two of the below average shows, and we'll see you guys on Friday.